Welcome to the Conflict Choices Podcast with your host, Dr. Everton A. Ennis, author, mediator, and conflict resolution specialist. Conflict Choices is a production of Class Act Consulting and Seminars. Our mission is teaching our clients how to make better conflict choices. Be sure to visit our website at classactseminars.com. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. This is episode 003 of the Conflict Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Everton A. Ennis. Glad to be with you today. We have another great show lined up for you today, and we can't wait to get to it. Today I'd like to talk with you about use of language in conflict causation and resolution. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Welcome back. Now, I've told you in a previous episode that during the course of my doctoral research, I discovered a very troubling fact that no two writers out of the 60 plus writers that I actually read gave the same definition of conflict. And that was quite alarming for me. In fact, there was such divergence of views among all the writers that I was no longer surprised that people just like you who are listening struggle so much with the whole business of conflict resolution. I mean, if the experts couldn't come to agreement on what constitutes conflict, then I could just imagine folk who have not been trained in this particular field of study. Now, in our last show, we examined some definitions that I did encounter in the course of my research, and we talked about their implications. I won't go over those with you again today. You could go back to uh, podcast number 002 to get that information about what is conflict. But I'd like to just restate my definition of conflict. My definition is that conflict is a state of tension or alienation that exists between two or more parties due to malice or the mishandling of a disagreement. Of course, malice means a desire or a willfulness to hurt or harm someone else. Uh, Usually, not exclusively, but usually this takes place as a result of how we use the tongue, which means we use words. Of course, disagreement itself is not conflict, and we have gone through that before. But disagreement should never be viewed as synonymous with conflict. It is okay to disagree. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Welcome back to episode 003 of the Conflict Choices podcast today. We're looking at the use of language in conflict causation and resolution. 
Now let's talk about language. What is this? I looked for a definition and the dictionary indicates that language is the method of human communication, whether it's written or spoken, that consists of words in a structured and conventional way. I want to underscore here that words play a central role in language. Now, how we choose and how we use words is critical to preserving the peace or for devolving into conflict. So this indicates to me then that we need to be careful. We need to be intentional about what words we choose as well as how we choose to use those words. And this has a lot to do with whether or not we have conflict or if we can resolve the conflicts that we already have. Of course, we also communicate through what we refer to as body language. You know, the expressions on the face, how we fold our arms, whether or not our eyes are fixed on the person that we're speaking with, whether or not there's a frown or there's a smile or whatever it is. Are we paying attention? Are we distracted? Body language speaks just as much as words speak. But for today, we're focusing on language through words, language as it relates to words, all right? So the spoken or the written word. Remember, if the goal is to effectively speak peace, there has to be an understanding of how to use language well. That's what we want to talk about today, how to use language well. The purpose of words, according to one of my professors in college, is to convey meaning. Keep that in mind. The purpose of words is to convey meaning. That means there's a burden on us, the one who is about to speak or to write words, that we choose words that convey as precisely as possible what we mean. We've got to be more intentional about this. How we choose words and how we choose to use those words. Now, there are some words maybe triggers for conflict. This is why language is so important. The language we use, the language we choose to use, and how we choose to use that language. I want to call these word triggers. Word triggers. The words that we can use that can escalate situations into the realm of conflict. Now, let's imagine that you're having a discussion with your spouse or with an employee that you supervise or manage. You're frustrated at home or in the workplace because of a task that wasn't completed. Now, it's typical that when we're frustrated, when we're angry, that we say stuff, we say things. Sometimes we don't think about what we are about to say before we speak. All right, so here's what the conversation could sound like, or at least on one side of the conversation. Let's say this is you speaking, and here we go. You're frustrated, you're angry, you're venting to this person, your spouse or your employee, your, the person you supervise at work. You never do anything that I ask you to do. You always drag your feet when you're supposed to get stuff done or when you say you're going to get stuff done. You make me so angry all the time. Let's examine this brief rant to see how well you did with your conflict choices. Remember, it's all about the choices that we make. Conflict is a choice. That includes how we choose to use language as we communicate, what words we choose to use to express ourselves with, and how we choose to use those words. So, there's a double choice. Words that we choose to use 
and how we choose to use those words. So let's replay this one more time. You never do anything that I ask you to do. You always drag your feet when you're supposed to do something or when you say you're going to get stuff done. You make me so angry all the time. Now we're going to examine each of these statements when we return. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Ah, welcome back. So we're going to examine each of the three statements that we made in our case study. This little rant, the frustration that was expressed earlier. Let's start with the first statement. You will never do anything that I ask you to do. Now think about this. It's an honesty test. The word never. The word never. Is that word actually true as it relates to the context? The word never is one of the most negative, dishonest, and unproductive words that we use when we're expressing our frustration to someone or about the person that we're feeling upset with. Never. Is that actually true? Is that factually correct that the person never? This is a word trigger. Now, we're not using language well when we resort to the use of words that can be very easily disproved. We lose credibility in that process as we come across as being dishonest. Because nine times out of ten, the word never is not going to be true or correct in whatever context that we use. This is a generalization because we're upset. To tell someone that they never is rather inflammatory. Even if your spouse or friend or employee is slacking, the moment you say that they never, it takes the conversation down the path toward conflict. Why? Because most people, including you, won't be happy to be told that they never because they just know it's not going to be true. Even if a person has done one out of ten things well and you say they never, it's not factually correct. And because they have done something well, even one time out of ten, then that's what they're going to focus on. You cannot say that I never. And in all honesty, why would we choose to use a word that's going to create a distraction from what we're trying to address? So it is a better idea to not use words that are loaded words, in other words. Words that distract, words that amplify the faults of the other person without real credibility in that process. Then the other statement was, you always drag your feet when you say you're going to get stuff done. Amazingly, we'll tell the same person in one sentence that they never, and in the very next sentence, we'll tell them that they always. So which is it? Of course, when we use the word never, when we use the word always, we tend to do that to amplify some shortcoming or fault that the person has. And we're maximizing that. Here again, 
How could these two assertions about the same person both be true? They're never and they're always. It sounds oxymoronic, doesn't it? But we choose to do this. That's why it gets done. We do this because that's what we choose to do. This isn't something that we have to do. It's not even something that we need to do, let alone something that we should do because it only creates a distraction from the real issue here at hand. So why do we do this? Here's the reason. The word malice comes to mind. Remember my definition of conflict. It is a state of tension or alienation between two or more parties due to malice or the mishandling of a disagreement. Malice is the intent or desire to harm or hurt the willingness to inflict pain upon another. Now, in this case, our intent or goal is to hurt the other person's feelings because we are feeling hurt by what they haven't done or by what they did do. And so we are reacting based upon our emotions and now we want to hurt the other person's feelings as well. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again, to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Let's look at the third statement in our little rant that we used as our case study. You make me so angry all the time. Now, let's examine this. Even anger is a choice. That's what we're teaching you through this podcast. It's called the Conflict Choices Podcast for a reason. And by that, I'm not saying that anger in this context is good or bad. I'm not putting a quality or a value on it at this point, just using it to illustrate what we're saying here. Just that another person really can't make you do anything, including being angry. So even, the, even being angry is a choice on our part. Anger is an emotion. It's a real, raw emotion. We were born with the ability to experience as well as to express that particular emotion, like any other, like joy. But while someone else's behavior can be a trigger for our anger, it's not true that they can make us angry. We choose to be angry. And this is important, what I'm saying here. Now, some may disagree with me, and that's okay. Remember, we teach in this program that it's okay to disagree as long as we do it appropriately and as long as we do it for the right reason. But no one can make you do anything. The way we choose to respond or to react is what results in things like the anger. And then we speak based upon that anger, and we can choose, we can choose some other options that we have. In episode number two, we talked about the choices and how to determine what those choices or options are when we find ourselves in uncomfortable in when we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Here one person says to another that you make me so angry all the time. First, that doesn't even sound like a very healthy relationship all the time. Think about that. Is that not an exaggeration? If it's a fact, then what, what's the purpose of this relationship? 
Secondly, we must think about our words, as we've been saying on this show. You don't want to choose words that inflame the situation. What you're trying to do is to bring the temperature down in the room. And that happens by making better conflict choices. Also, in this scenario, do you see a need to own your choice in being angry all the time? That's a choice. Literally, another person can't make you angry all the time. They can hurt you, but how you respond or react to that, whether you remain in that situation, all of these are choices. If it's a spouse or a child or a parent or a family member that, of course, you can't just walk away. That's where you learn to resolve these situations in a way that makes it better for everyone. Let's look at another key word trigger in how we express our frustration. So we told the other person that you never do anything that I ask you to do. You always drag your feet when you say you're going to get stuff done. You make me so angry all the time. Did you notice throughout the show the emphasis on you, you, you? Now this is a sure way to cause or to contribute to the escalation of conflict. The pronoun you, as used in the context of frustration and anger, tends to be a trigger because it sounds so accusatory. Imagine you being on the receiving end of these kinds of statements, which we oftentimes find ourselves. This is what we do to each other as human beings, especially when we're not trained and exposed to the field of conflict resolution. This is, this is what we do. And we don't realize this is what we do because this is what we've been doing since we were able to speak. This is what we did with our siblings. This is what we learned from our parents. This is what we saw parents do to each other. So I'm not making, trying, trying to make you feel bad here. I'm trying to make you realize that we've not been doing this so well. We have not been making the best conflict choices. I want to introduce to you a different way of doing this. Uh, years ago, I learned that it's better to say I instead of saying you. So I'm going to talk to you about I statements, making I statements or using I statements instead of you statements. So let's examine all three statements and how we have expressed our frustration to the other person. So instead of saying, you never do anything that I ask you to do, that's a you statement. What if, what if, instead of saying you, we said I, and the derivative of I, the first person, singular, taking that load off of the other person, putting it on ourselves because we have an obligation to actually think and to make the brain work. We use the lazy approach. We use the, the instinctive approach to dealing with our frustrations and our uncomfortable circumstances, and then we contribute to the escalation of conflict. But we're looking for solutions here. Conflict choices. What are our choices? What if we choose instead to say, it makes me frustrated when you don't follow through with what I ask you to do. Isn't that different? There's no accusatory tone. There are no word triggers in that statement. And yet, at the same time, you still stated how you felt and how you're feeling. You expressed very clearly that you're frustrated. This is what happens when a thing doesn't work. 
It makes me frustrated when you don't follow through with what I ask you to do. As opposed to, you never do anything that I ask you to do. See the difference? It's vastly different. And the vastness of the difference will result in the vastness of the results, the outcomes that we're going to experience and encounter. Let's take the second statement. You always drag your feet when you say you're going to get stuff done. What if we chose instead to say, I would really appreciate it if you'd complete tasks in a timely manner. See, there's no labeling of the other person's actions or the lack of action on their part. You simply stated what you desire. Isn't that really what the overall goal is, is to convey to the other person? Remember, words convey meaning. The meaning is what you want to convey, not your anger. And sometimes we get that twisted. We confuse that. We, we seek to convey our anger when what we really need to focus on conveying is what we need. So we can either choose to convey what we need, how we, how we feel, or our anger. What we need is the key thing. We need the task to be completed. Convey that. Focus on that. And when we focus on that, then we take the ownership of how we choose the words and how we choose to use those words, and we use the I statement. I would really appreciate it if you complete the tasks in a timely manner. The final statement is, you make me so angry all the time. What if we chose instead to say it this way? I'm feeling frustrated because of how our relationship or because of how our work environment is going right now. I'm feeling frustrated. Instead of saying, you make me so angry all the time. Those are fighting words. Those are words that's going to make someone become defensive. The I statements tend to open people up for dialogue. The you statements cause people to shut down or to blow up. One of two extremes is sure to occur in many situations because people feel personally attacked and they're being told stuff that's not really true because nobody never and nobody always does anything or doesn't do anything. Those are ways to inflame. Those are ways to maximize the shortcomings of someone else. While at the same time, we wouldn't want that to be done to us. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Welcome back. Just want to give you a brief reminder of what I do in addition to this awesome Conflict Choices podcast. I provide conflict solutions in a variety of contexts. If you're within the faith community, you're having challenges in church, or you want to prepare your congregation to prevent some of the challenges that can occur that you've seen in other churches or that you might have been through as a congregation in the past, then, of course, you want to visit my website, conflictministry.com. You also could use the training that I provide through conflictministry.com for your pastors, your pastors' conventions, your elders, your board of trustees, and your congregation as a whole. 
and don't wait until something happens at church. It's the responsibility of leadership to inform, to educate, to train, to equip, and to empower people in the church, in the church family, to learn how to make better conflict choices. So reach out to us at conflictministry.com for the faith community training that we do. Then I'm also a mediator, general civil mediator. Instead of going to court, the question we ask is why litigate when you can mediate? You spend more money than you need to, you use more time that you don't have, and you get results that you really sometimes don't have any say in. In mediation, you and your co-disputant, you get to make mutually agreed upon decisions as to what the end result, what the outcome of your dispute will look like. If you leave it up to that judge or that jury, chances are you're not, it's, somebody's going to lose and somebody's going to win. Here in mediation, we focus on a win-win. Each person walking away, not with all, but with at least some of what they desire. Go to ennismediationservice.com. That's ennismediationservice.com. And finally, for the workplace environment, for the family, for the school, you want training to be done in your organization, your workplace, reach out to us at our main website, classactseminars.com. That's classactseminars.com. I'm also an author. I'm the author of a great book entitled From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again. Visit my website for more information and to obtain your copy today, classactseminars.com. In our next episode, we're going to focus on this very important topic. Let's agree to disagree. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit our website at classactseminars.com for more information about how we can be of service to you, your workplace, or your church. Please subscribe to our podcast. And remember, conflict is a choice and you don't have to fall for it. See you next time.